Hey, this is Robin Nelson with Russell Podcast Live at Hooters Newport, Kentucky, and we're doing a special edition of Heartland Wrestling Association Reunion Podcast. And my guest is GQ Masters, Bradley Sky, Torch, and Jackson Breeze. I was going to say, you got to get Torch yeah, in the shot. Yeah, Torch, come on in here so I can ask you some questions. You got to back up that lens, too, man. Wide <laughs> shot. Do the wide shot for Torch. Yeah. yeah. Not as wide as the horse. Yes, I said. Oh, I thought so. That's okay. All right, Bradley Scott. Okay. All right. I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here with the first HWA Originals. All right. Tell me um, how HWA started from day one. Wow, man, that's a long story. I don't know how much time you've got. But basically, um, to narrow it down here is my man is working behind the scenes to get everything all straightened out. Um, we were all a bunch of guys that were training. Um, and I guess we were under the what is now known as the NWF umbrella. And that was with uh, Johnny Diamond as the owner-operator. He had beautiful Bob Harmon coming in to help a little bit, and his trainer was uh, fell by name, uh, an alias name of Kenny McGuire. Kenny Cunts. Another great story that Torch can talk about once they're off the air. The heartthrob. The heartthrob, Kenny McGuire. And um, basically, Johnny had a falling out with his trainer, Kenny, and he went and found a new one, and he did that through Bob Harmon. Bob Harmon's the original beautiful Bobby. He was managed in the WWWF by Ernie Roth, the Grand Wizard. And so all those old timers know each other and stuff. So they were in, they all live in Cincinnati area. So Bob gets Les to come in and uh, basically take over as a trainer. And uh, that worked out for a period of time. And I mean, this is, you're talking about 1994-ish, 1995. So my dates are blurry. BS sounds like he's got a better handle on dates. He just wasn't involved quite yet. <laughs> but this was good stuff, as, as Torch would say. So Les comes in and takes over the training, and we're, you know, still training. We're running a couple of shows, you know, as training shows. You know, we're thinking we're big time. We at least know that Les Thatcher is a legit trainer. Well, of course, like all wrestling, you know, happens. It's kind of like, you know, organized religion. Y'all, y'all start as one group, and then you break off into subsections of each other. So Les and Johnny have a falling out, and you divide the, the the group. Some guys stay with Johnny and form what is now the NWF. And then with us, we became, we needed a new name. And uh, I guess it was Les came up with the uh, Heartland Wrestling Federation, HWA. And that's kind of how it started. That's pretty good as well. Um, awesome when you're part of HWA as well. Um, you uh, also uh, worked with uh, Dutch Mantel as well. Well, that was many, you know, a couple yeah. years later as I was starting to get booked into the business. I started, always wanted to be just a manager. Just a manager. Um, I was smart enough to know that being a wrestler day long, it's hard work. A lot of punishment to your body. A lot of time in the gym. And I didn't want no part of that shit, right? So I was thinking the easy way I was being a manager. But Les was proven enough to know that all of his managers, all of his referees needed to be trained how to work just in case because everybody's going to have to take a bump at some point. so I just kind of was able to learn quickly and it got to the point where they were booking me on matches um, and it started out as, as kind of an emergency 
necessary kind of thing. They needed me to work with a girl. They needed somebody to work with a girl. This was back when, you know, now you have all kinds of girls who want to be in the business. Who was the girl you worked with? I don't remember her name, but she was being trained at Al Snow School. Was that the little blonde? No, no. She was a big girl, and I don't say that disparagingly, but she was, they were training her to be a monster here. And she was from the Cleveland area, training in Al Snow's place, but D'Lo Brown, A.C. Connor, who is friendly with us, was running the school at the time. And he literally calls us and says, hey man, do you have a girl? I need a girl. She, people from Japan want to look at her. They need her in a match. It's got to be on tape. So, do you have a girl? No. What do you got? Like a small wrestler. And Les, I guess, was like, not really. And then he guess his spidey senses start tingling. He thought of me. So he books me without my consent or knowledge. I show up to training and he says, you're booked Saturday night in Lima, Ohio. I says, ow. <laughs> he tells me all about it. I was like, okay, fine, let's do it. So I went up there. D'Lo had a mask for me, he pulled out his bag. He says, I'm not gonna embarrass you by having you put over a girl and you know ruin your career. And he didn't know I never had a match before in front of people. But I'd worked a lot as a manager, worked a lot of training. So I kind of knew what I was doing. I could get through it, whatever. And it was a, it was a success. Then it became a deal where it sort of became my thing. A couple weeks later, we ran out our ring to a fellow named Bob Smedley, Bobby Blaze down in Ashland. Delo's booked on the card, and I'm there just supervising to make sure our ring gets there and back, and I get the money, and we go home. So, hey, Delo, uh, you know what's up? What's up? And Bobby goes, ah, yeah. Um, so what's up with that guy? He goes, oh my God, that guy's awesome. He's told the story. Well, Bobby's like, hey man, I got a girl I'm training. <laughs> and so then I end up working with his girl, but his girl was the story I told on uh, MTV, True Life. He says, I'm, I'm sitting in the crowd. They send the referee, which Dean Roll is his name. You all know him as Shark Boy. He says, Bobby needs you to go get your gear. He's got a girl for you to work with. Like, this is my gimmick. So, I grab my gear. It's like the first or second match. And, like, as soon as I can get dressed, we're going to go on next. And the reason was because a local TV station had showed up. Found out he was training this girl. Whatever, fine. So, I get dressed. He realizes I'm going to do it. And I'm just like, well, you know, what's the fee is right? This, uh, yeah, um, that's just the thing, dude. Um, yeah, she's deaf and she don't speak. What? Deaf and don't speak? Correct. Wrestling? Well, she never had a match. Wow. So, I was like, okay. How did I miss that part of the story? This was in Ashland, Kentucky. I don't know. I was, I was, do you remember that story? Was you booked on that show? I wasn't booked on that show. But you were there, and, and we told you the next day when we came back. I remember her not being able to well, you know, I don't mean to disparage her because you can't do that nowadays, but literally because she could speak, but it was like in grunts because, you know, of the hearing disability. So I'm just like, fuck, I'll just do this. I'll figure it out. And um, he says, but don't worry, man. My wife, she knows sign language. I'll have her come out and be her manager. Well, that was a big mistake. So I literally tried to call a spot through his wife, you know, and it's just simple. Shoot me and hip toss me, right? Well, I didn't realize he'd only taught her one move, which was an arm drag. So I go and take a hip toss bump. She goes through the arm drag, and I realize, oh, that sucks. And I just got to my feet, and I just put the boots in this bitch, right? Knowing there was no other way to fix this than to just take over. 
looking towards. She's over there laughing. So I took over on her. I mean, I didn't hurt her, you know, but that'd be snug. I laid in there. And you can't, obviously can't do this shit anymore, right? So, yeah, I, I got her to the point where I knew it was time to go home. And again, I'm wearing a mask because we're in Ashland, Kentucky, and I knew. And I'm driving the damn ring truck, so you know, a lot, a lot of red flags. So I just figured out on my on the fly that I'm gonna pick her up like I'm gonna slam her, and I made her wiggle her feet, and then I laid down, you know, fell down, bumped down, and just held the bitch on top of me. One, two, three, boom! Thank God, thank God, that's over. Dang he, it! He loved it. So he wants to book it around the loop. So that's kind of how I became a wrestler. That was, yeah, I'd say that. That was when Dean was becoming a rep, was he got in and Yeah, right, right, because he obviously wanted to wrestle. And he and I were training partners because we were the two small guys. And um, I wanted no part of being a wrestler, but I'm getting booked as a wrestler. And this guy's getting booked as a referee, and he clearly was a talented, more driven one than me. I was just doing it because I was good at it. He was not getting chances because I was actually a little bigger than him. And they were like, well, God, this guy looks terrible. And once they found him a good a gimmick, you know, he took it from there and, you know, he's done great things. He, he probably still gets booked all these years later. Wow, I wouldn't doubt that. <laughs> so, yeah. That's all right, Torch. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to. And tell us a little bit about your time over at HWA. Um, well, I love him up. Came with Family Man. Got five kids. Living the life in Cleves. Not Cleveland, Cleves, Ohio. Coach football. The way I started out, my first, that was a lot like GQ, Brady's. Um, I mean, I started out before the Reading Road uh, gym. I started in a golf training school. That's where Johnny Diamond's uh, training was at. When was That's where the place. Empire started, That's was it not? That's where the Empire started. Training school. It was, we were in the basement, and it was a house. This was literally a house. And we knew the guy. And there was a mat in the basement. So I was going to say, a dog training center turned into somebody's basement. Yes. Okay. Yes. See how the stories evolve? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow, we, started, we started on a tumbling mat. That's where and I that's where you should, that, honestly, that's where you should start. That's, that's where I started. Uh, we ended up at the, the Karate Dojo joint on Reading Road. And then we ended up out, out in the middle of the See, that's when Les and Johnny broke up. Yes. Les and Johnny, the split happened. I don't know, man. It's a typical professional wrestling. It was a he said, said, yeah. said thing. But it basically precipitated on how Smokey Mountain Wrestling and their relationship with Peel's Palace ended. So Smokey Mountain Wrestling can come to Peel's Palace because of Les. Because Jim Cornette won the open Cincinnati Park. And Peel's Palace was in our liner, not far from where we're sitting at now. Cincinnati market and it wasn't working out because Jimmy was pretty stressed out at the time and he was he was killing towns for whatever reason and it wasn't necessarily his fault. He was trying to do too much. So he 
decides for whatever reason, and I'm sure it was a good one, but we weren't smartened up to what that reason is because we're just trainees. The night before, Smoky Mountain's not going to come. So Johnny calls us all on the phone and tells us, we're Smoky Mountain. They canceled their show. Hills Palace needs a wrestling show. We're going to come in here and work. Because I always got off essentially hearing the people go, oh, yeah. Yeah. 
you guys pulled a rib on me about the chopping when we did the good old man. Oh, it was all of us. I never chopped anybody. Well, he's going to tell it. The good old Fortnite show that first night when I'm working with the headbangers. The first official HWA show was in Fortnite, Kentucky. It was um, was like a restaurant bar that had like a separate building where they have like wedding receptions and stuff like that. And they had had shows there many times. Um, It's no longer, the building still stands, but it's not a bar anymore. DeAndre's is what it was called. Bill DeAndre was the owner. And, uh, and we, these, yeah, that was, we did our first handful of shows yeah, there. But these assholes, so I'm working <laughs> a second. I'm working, with, I'm working with the headbang. So the first night. And that was a big deal for us. Yeah. The first so night. Well, sure. He, they went Smoky Mountain Wrestling, um, which was big for us. Uh, AC was on the show, too. Hello. And uh, Bull Payne and Killer Kyle. Those were all guys that, if we had any kind of clue, had, if not seen on TV, at least knew well they were. So these guys, you know, they knew I liked getting chops. Well, and the way it was set up, that first show was a tournament. And we yeah, were, we were kind of the champion like or H- something. Yeah, like yeah. the first HWA champion. Without a belt. Yeah, without a belt. <laughs> well, so, that costs money, dude. Yeah. So <laughs> I got this match with uh, Chaz. Ah, either Mosh or Thrasher, yeah. one or the other. It was Glenn and Chaz. They were, they were like one word, Glenn and Chaz. Glenn Ruth and Chaz Warrington. Um, so, great guys, by the way. Yes. They were awesome. They were great. So, and they weren't much older than us as far yeah. as experience. So they were very willing to help. So, we, you know, I'm in the locker room. They come in. Who are we working with? So set up. The way this is set up, I'm working with the one the first match. I'm going over on him. Second round, I'm fighting his partner. And then there's going to be a smash. You know, I'm going to get jumped. And it's setting up for the tag team match the next show. They're like, oh, you're working with him, and he likes to get chopped. So <laughs> they put, they set me up to fail. Yeah, I think I might know something about this because I couldn't say yes, I do. And you gotta realize he's me. he's a redhead, right? He, yeah. He's pale, milk white. And so yeah, man, you put a hand on him, you touch him. Yeah, it's gonna leave a mark. So they yeah. have big, so, oh, dude, I, I'm know, sure they I'm lit you up, didn't they? Yeah, they lit me up. <laughs> but I did have to wear t-shirts because of the four white nipple wall. I, you just finally brought you brought that up again. Yeah, there was some sort of they, like, they could not you could not have exposed nipples in a place that served liquor. Yeah, right it was because um, they ain't too kind on people that try to run strip clubs in Northern Kentucky, and for whatever reason, for right, and that's probably a hundred year old rule yes. because back in the like forties and fifties, and even in the nineteen sixties, the mob ran Northern Kentucky, and I mean the mafia. This was Las Vegas until, you know, George Ratterman shut it down. And there's plenty of books been written and movies. Um, so, yeah, one of the many mafioso establishments, the furthest one away was in Fort Wright at the top of the hill, Pike Street, Dixie Highway. And this place was probably like another half mile down the street from that. But this was like a rule that it equated 50 years Prior, and it just never was changed. And some prick wanted to fucking force it because we were wrestlers, dude. Yeah. So we had to wrestle with shirts because they sold liquor. 
So I got saved on that deal, but I couldn't say, oh, no, I don't like to get chopped because yeah, I'm no going shit. to get lit up. And if I say, yeah, I might they get chopped. They did it to your I'm, back, your ass, your yeah, face. everywhere. Yeah. So, you know, I just sat there and laughed. And, and wore it. And wore it. And wore it proudly. That's right. And, I, I and really that, love to saw that. That match, me, me and Brady was talking about it before we came on tonight. That was one hell of a shit show there, too. And we tried our best to make that stuff work. But, I mean, we were inexperienced. It was the first show in the company history. It snowed like six inches that day. I mean, everything that could have went wrong. The the commissioner and and one of those wrestling commissions are crooked to begin with. Kentucky being the most crooked probably in any state possible. No, not Kentucky. It is what it is. I'm a proud Kentuckian, man. But... So yeah, man, it, it was the ingredients of a complete and then, colossal and then disaster. We and, didn't do the, but we got through it. Yeah, well, the the, the ring breaking. First yeah, match. The, I mean, yeah, the first yeah, match, yeah. Please. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, I was. Which ring was that? Was that? Was that the? That wasn't Johnny's ring. That was that wooden ring, wasn't it? It was whatever ring was in Kevin Little's yard. That was the wooden one, I believe. Which is we got the that's a story that has to be told as well. Well, so I'm in the first match. We're both in the ring. I'm tugging on the top rope, and I feel something pop. And all of a sudden, the, the rope goes limp. And I'm like, oh, yeah. shit. Broke a weld in the turnbuckle. You know, where it's welded, yeah. the turnbuckle and, is welded onto the ring post. Yeah. And so, it happens, you know, more than you realize. So, I, <laughs> and we, of course, just thought it was our fault because we're not right. We didn't we know. Just we had to do shit. And, our, and, our, and, our, and Les is just going to yell at us no matter what. It's like, that shit happens a lot. Yeah. And know? I knew we somehow had to work this match. So I tell the referee, which might have been Dean, Shark Boy. Oh, I'm sure it was. Um, I tell him, I'm like, hey, go over there and tell him the top rope just broke. We've got a spot to finish the match. And it's not happening. You know, so we have to essentially do like a college wrestling match, which made absolutely no sense because we couldn't we couldn't hit the ropes. And you know for how many years that's how pro wrestling was. Right, right. But we didn't know any of that stuff. We weren't advancing our training to know that shooters didn't need the ropes. You know what I mean? We we all just a bunch of green kids watching TV. So we get to the finish. He's going to shoot me into the corner. I'm going to hit the corner. He's following me in. I'm stepping out of the way. He hits the turnbuckle or the corner. I roll him up, one, two, three. I take the powder. That sets up the second round match. So he shoots me in, and I would always hit the corners as hard as I could. It goes back to that. I wanted it to be believable. I hit the corner. The turnbuckle breaks off the whole everything. I hit it. It comes up over my head and cracks him as he's following me in. It smacks him in the yeah. forehead. It breaks another well. <laughs> so literally, yeah, so this ring was not in great shape. Yeah, so we had to finish that show that first night with a broken ring and we got, we, that was another one we somehow and We got through it, man. Made it through. And I mean, yeah, it wasn't pretty or whatever, but it's what you gotta do, man. There's no manual on how to really do this stuff when shit like that happens. You know, and of course, because it wasn't perfect, Les being the perfectionist he is, and that's not a bad thing. Well, he just went bananas, right? But it's like, what are you gonna do? 
right. I mean, you can't control what you can't control, yeah. man. It's about reaction to it. And, you know, there was enough veteran guys there to help get us green guys through it. It just sucked that it was the very first show of the yeah. company's existence. Yeah. And we were and we had like two more dates, so yeah. at least we could follow it up and it not suck so much, right? But yeah, I got some more a couple more headbanger stories. Yeah, you tell us Well was you up there the night that, that uh, I went and I don't know if he was there or not. I ended up I wasn't booked on that show up at Al Snow School up in Lima and you know it had that balcony that the boys could only yeah. the boys could it was on the fifth floor of like a Masonic temple yeah. which so is was, crazy enough as it is Masonic temple yeah well it was a big it was a big high rise building in Lima, Ohio in the middle of downtown and whatever those people are called you know whether they're Shriners or whatever yeah. I should know that yeah they kind of owned the building and that's who he was paying rent to and he had like a fifth and he had another floor for them to live in. Because yeah. people were traveling in to be trained and live there. And, um, yeah, it's like the fifth floor is where... And, yeah, whatever he's had, I don't know how they built it or whatever, but, yeah, it had a balcony so you could look over. And you couldn't fit but maybe 75 people from the street to watch this. So it's friends and family, but it's crowd, and that's half the work from crowd work. You only do so much travel. So... So, yeah, so. so there's a balcony, and only the only people that's in this balcony are the boys. Well, I I don't know if he was there or not. I took Sherdell, the expert, because right. you know, he probably still doesn't have his driver's license. He was an expert in everything. He else. does not. <laughs> He's an expert I just in everything saw him but driving. Not long ago. He's, I, I don't know if he's ever driven a car. But uh, so I drove him. I wasn't booked on this show. I get there, and the headbangers were supposed to be working with this other team. I don't know who it was, but one of the guys fake an injury because they were scared. And I'd already worked with the headbangers. Now I understand these dudes are going to take care of them as long as they don't say or do something stupid yeah. to address So this guy fakes an injury. They're like, Mike, you got your gear. Yeah, of always, course. You always, always, bring, your always, always bring your gear. And they're like, well, you want to you want to take his partner's place? Sure. So you know, we go every match, and you know, the finish is going to be I'm getting pinned, which is fun. You know, didn't matter to me. I didn't care. I was having fun. Um, so we start this match, and you know, we're working, and I started the match off. They tell me to go make the tag. So I go try to tag this guy. He wasn't having nothing to do with it. And this wasn't part of the I show. I can't say I've never done that before. This wasn't part of the show. You're right. This, <laughs> this wasn't Sometimes part of the Sometimes it's a gimmick. This wasn't, yeah. This wasn't part of the show. This wasn't supposed to go this way. He refuses to tag. So I got to figure out. I got to get back, you know, make it look legit. They're like, why didn't you tag? He won't tag me. All bullshit. No, he won't tag. So we get it where I'm going to make the tag again. And not look obvious. And not look obvious. He, ref he refuses to tag. A second time, he refuses to tag. Mike, what the hell's going on? Dude, I'm telling you, he will not tag me. <laughs> he is scared of you guys. Right. So they're like, no, he's going to... 
It's all right. That's all right, dude. He just wants to say Brittany's in on the show hey, here. Brittany wants to say something. Yeah, no. Hey, Brittany, are you a wrestling fan? Good. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. How many people are? Right. I've worked 20 years to hide from that stuff. Now here I am. Oh, you talking to me? Yeah, sure. Um, Yingling. Did you want another picture? Uh, yes. And then share it with that one guy that had the funny hat. Gotcha. Where's he at? He, did he take it off? No, he's talking about Jackson Breeze, by the way. Okay, he likes to drink a lot of liquor. But go back right. To the he's going so, back to water because he's going to drink beer today. With that. So, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, back to, back to that. We're, uh, yeah, I'm like, he won't tag. He's scared. Oh, no, he's going to tag. Mm-hmm. So, and do, those guys ribbed hard. Yeah, too, they all. So, they were going to fuck with this guy bad, but they? story, too. Yeah. Like severely Oh, they loved the rib, and they ribbed hard. Yes. In a good way. Yeah. Unless you were a dumbass like this guy apparently was. Yeah. So who was he? Was, is this guy one of the Al's trainees or something? he was one of Al's trainees. Just some dummy they found on the street. Yeah. So. No disrespect. They're probably making money in this business. Or was, it, was it a transit guy? <laughs> oh, no. But you know who was training up there at that time was, um, oh, Jesus. His name's Brian. Um, Blumini. He was one of those kids that were in there, but he wasn't being a dumbass. Right. That guy was legit. No, these guys His name was Max, Brian. Their gimmicks were the same. They, these guys had, you know, they were a team. Right, but right. Anyhow, they grabbed me. They physically put me into the corner and grabbed him so I can tag him. <laughs> they snatch him no choice. Up, they snatch him up, drag him to the center of the ring, and look up to the balcony. And they're like... And all I could do was laugh because they were going to stretch it. Yeah, because those guys knew how to shoot. Yeah, like they were they and were high school wrestlers. They uh, he wasn't going back in after he tagged me back in. Let's just sure. put it that way. So then you know they did their thing, and all the guys are up there laughing. I got my head in, you know resting on the turnbuckle because I'm trying not to let people see me laughing at this clown getting the shit kicked out of him. And then, you know, make the tag, end of the match. Um, so that was that was one story with them. I can remember the Headbangers also. Were we in Tennessee uh, for a show, for a Smoky Mountain show? We weren't on it. We went down. It was like a... Oh, it was a big show. Yeah. Was it Super Bowl Wrestling? Something like that. Yeah. Night of Champions or something. Uh, we went to a couple yeah. of those. I know one was the Super Bowl Wrestling. Yeah, Smokey. Yeah, it was Night of Champions. Well, no, the Night, night of Legends. Night of Legends. I don't know. Well, did, I don't think we, we went there. We didn't no, the, no, we the Headbangers didn't. weren't in Smoky Mountain yet. I think you're talking about the Super Bowl of Wrestling. That was the one where Buddy Landell worked with Shawn Michaels. I think That's so. That's okay. But, and you want to talk about a character. Yeah. It's Buddy Landau. Yeah. Well, yeah. God rest his soul. But somebody gave the headbangers. They said, hey, man, can I have your room key? And one of the guys that we trained with gave them their keys. They came to me first. I knew what was going to happen. <laughs> I'm like, hell no. You were not getting my room key because I know what's going to happen. So one of the boys gave them their room key. They went in, they took their, their light bulbs out of everything, they tore their beds up, 
and they did something or something hit somebody in the head or something when they came in the door. I can't remember what it was exactly. Yeah, yeah like doctor to front. Yeah, door they, they yeah. So you know, I'm just glad they never fucked with me. Yeah, I wasn't. I we was went smart. to Ashland on one of those Bobby Blaze trips, and they come. We went to the Waffle House, and I got like violently sick, and they barged in our room to like fuck with us like that. And I'm just on the toilet, just riding a porcelain bus, just struggling. And one of them swing the door open like he's going to fuck with me. He goes, oh, yeah, dude, I think we're going to leave you alone. <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. They, yeah, were, they, they were, were great guys, man. They were great. So what was it like to, to work for the Bobby Blaze? Um, I've had him on my show before, too. He's a cool Well, I never worked in the ring with Bobby. Um, but, yeah, we rented our ring to him a number of times. Um great guy you know country is shit right because he's from ashland and um i mean salt of the earth man great guy and uh just he consummate professional you know Penny payment i know he probably told you that because he wrote a book with that being the title actually he did two books right but the one was the whole pin me pay me thing where yeah. who cares if they're putting you over to paying you because obviously if you have that attitude they can pay you less to put you over. That's absolutely true. So he, he got it, um, and, and he'd been around a million years, and uh, was trained by uh, the Professor Boris Malenko, so obviously, which meant his training partners were his sons, Dean. Uh, Joe and Dean. Yes. So uh, I think he worked a lot more with Joe than he did Dean. Yeah, when I was talking to him, he did. Uh, he did some stuff with Dean as well, but mostly Right, Joe. correct, because um, Dean kind of helped run the training school because the old man was an you know, older gentleman, yeah. couldn't really do as much physically. He can instruct and teach you psychology, and Dean was kind of doing his thing in Japan at the time. But, uh, and I think he trained with 123Kid, um, Sean Walton. I think they were in the same kind of. Class. I don't know if it's class or class training. They were, yeah, but they were they were they were peers going down there and getting the shit stomped out of them and getting stretched and learning how to you know how to work the right way. All right, let's go to this guy right here, the jack of all trades of HWA. Oh jeez, ring announcer, master of none, master of none, commentator, secretary, office worker. Yeah, yeah, shit stirrer. Uh, <laughs> Well, you can say that. Man, yeah. Uh, where should we start? That's what I'm saying. Can I take a brief break? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I got yeah. to go powder my nose, as they say. All right, go ahead. Back in the 90s, that meant do some cocaine. That way. <laughs> yes, you can. Yeah, but, it, but, but we, nobody does cocaine anymore, right? They slam heroin. What I'll be right cocaine? back because I know he's got good jokes. He's got great stories, and some of them are actually true. Oh, uh, that's what I'm going to ask him. <laughs> first of all, let's talk first what we were talking about earlier when you were there that uh, you got fired by the secretary. Man, look, you know, now I wasn't always. Uh, what, what do they call that? The uh, the protocol. Sometimes you just kind of take the reins on your own and just find out what happens. But this is after WWF bought WCW. So we were starting to work with OVW, and I was the ring announcer. Um, and the agreement was you have to have eight shows per month to even be a part of that whole deal. So they came up with a Tuesday night showcase. So there's four shows. So this was a free show, and anybody 
It was at the training center, and it was a little, I don't know, maybe 50 people could fit in there. I never went to one of them, because I worked, and I had a regular job. I worked a third shift, I was a cook, and it was bad enough that I would tell them, hey, I'm going to be late on Saturday night. I just said, hey, I can't make it on these Tuesday nights. You're not getting paid anyway. So, um, I called because we were going to have a show at the Grand Victoria Casino. And I think Booker T was going to be on the show. So we had a big show. We had Mark Henry, Kane, Kevin Nash, you know, all these guys. Booker T's coming in. Alright. Hey, ring ring, you know, and with the new office, nice looking office. And uh, the secretary I said, Hey, I'm just checking in, seeing how the show's going. And she says, Well, Bradley, you've been replaced. What? Yeah. And I said, What? Really? Yep. Okay, bye. Click. Les didn't even have me come in to kind of formally do it or even call me. And I didn't bother to call him because I started to do other things because I entertained at that time. I was very busy doing Elvis Presley tribute shows. And I was kind of getting razzed from the guys that uh, I was... They would kind of kid me about it. I'm like, you got a guy dressing up like a shark. You got a guy dressing up like a, a graduate getting hit in the head. $25 or less with a steel chair and you're going to make fun of me for dressing up like Elvis. What's what's the deal? You know, what, what, what path are you going to take? You know, and Damn, you're being stiff and I wasn't going that long. He was waiting for you to share the best stories. No, yeah. Man. yeah, yeah so when he talks story. about his girlfriend Susan, that's when... So what happened was... Okay, so you brought up this interview with Brock Guffman. Okay? <laughs> hey, I like Brock Guffman. And you had mentioned that I dressed up, which I'm very curious how you knew it was me. Because you must have went to all the shows. How did it get out that I dressed up like West Well, Lash? actually, um, I got it from uh, Jackson Breeze. All right, so... I, I dressed up like Wes, and this was our Halloween show. This was a hey, night. Hey, let me interrupt. You dressed up like Wes. Yep. Oh yeah. For another promotion. No, no, no. It was all. Oh, it was like okay, a okay. We always did a Halloween, a Halloween show, show. Okay. at the uh, Fairfield National Guard Armory. And uh, Jackson ran, Jackson Reese, who's here somewhere, he ran that town, and he, this is where Roy Fox, he probably told you this, he's like, because he would always say, and we'll have candy for the kids. Yeah, he told me that on the podcast. <laughs> he was going like this, let me do some good Jackson for the yeah. yeah. We're going to have some candy for the kids. Yeah. And so, it was our Halloween show, it was 99, and so I'm like, I'm going to dress up like class. So I put baby Did you tell any of us? You, you might have told me, and I was so stressed out that I didn't really I think, sell I, it. I think I might have. Yeah, yeah, bullshit. Just, yeah, just get that, out of my way, man. I bet that one over like a fart in church. Nobody else. You shitting me? The boys popped for that so good. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, the boys were I mean, well, no, wait a minute. In, in some points in life, at some points in life, it ain't about popping the crowd. It's about popping the dress. Well, what happened was, did that. what happened was, I was running late. And so I get a call from him. He's like, 
hey, uh, BS, where are you, man? And I'm in transit. I'm like, I'm almost there, man. I, I had to get my outfit on. He's like, whatever, dude, just get here, man. The old man's kind of pissed. And I'm like, and I think Les had left because Les probably would have fucking took a shot at me. He probably would have punched you. Dude, so I walk in, and Tony Atlas is a special guest that night. And I walk in, and the dressing room's packed, man. And I bust in the door. I got the fanny pack on and <laughs> made him in pro wrestling. Please say you had Zubaz on I as got, well. I got pictures, man. And I had facial hairs. I would love to see those pictures. And I, and I bust in a doorway, and everybody just starts bawling, laughing. Tony Atlas looks at me like, who's this guy? And I said, God damn, Tony, have another chicken breast while you're at it. <laughs> hey. Oh, my God. <laughs> so then, then came time, and I'm the camera guy. I wasn't even the ring announcer yet. I got to walk out to ringside, and the people at ringside are like, oh, my God. We get, they start laughing because they know what I'm doing. And did Les come later on that night? Oh, probably not, because usually when he'd get pissed off and leave, he wasn't coming back. So what usually my schedule was, I would come in on Monday and Tuesday, and check in, listen to Les gripe about his life, or go get his sh- <laughs> Go get fucking Brady. What did he do today? Well, it's like we're playing two ends against the middle here. <laughs> so, so I go in, and and that's all that's all Les hears about is me dressing up as him. Is that what you fucking think of me? Okay. I'll remember that, motherfucker. You know, shit. Yeah, that is scary accurate. So did, so did Tony Atlas think you were less statue? I think he did for a minute, yeah. I, who knows, man? That guy really was, he was kind of in his own little world a little bit, you know. So then I got in the ring. I must have been filming in the ring because I did some kind of Elvis leg movement. And then somebody as a joke sent less an Elvis bust. Because he would always Pretty go. Well, uh, an Elvis bust? Uh, like a Pretty bust. Hulk's got to be involved in this when we talk about Susan. Hold on. Oh, Jesus. You don't have to do this now, do you? Yes, we do. Cody. Oh, Jesus. This is not a good way to bring him in, but it's going to be hilarious. <laughs> We want to know about... So we were talking about the old man and him being an Elvis impersonator. And, uh, of course, Susan yeah, has been brought up. You're, you're a big part of Susan. This is, is this, will this be the first time that that's ever, this has been exposed to the public? Uh, I mean, it's been... Ex- that Susan was more than just a Susan? It's more than a fan? It's been exposed in small circles. But, like, but this is going to a worldwide audience now. <laughs> yeah. is, this where, is this where us might just finally find out... It is possible. It's different from being around the whole time. Hey, listen. I gotta squeeze in. <laughs> Let's hear the Susan. Not that, not that we're like, you know, laughing at his expense, but we're gonna fucking laugh at his expense because this shit was funny no matter who you are. Yes. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. Anyhow, um, so my man's an Elvis impersonator, meaning BS, and. For whatever reason, Les hates fucking Elvis Presley as if this dude stole a woman from him. That's how much he hates him. He was this guy to come here and show everybody's girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so, it eventually... Sorry for... Well, I mean... You're good. I 
don't know who wants to start first, but but I can tell you the story on on how how the statue made it to the office. Um, so there isn't enough time in this podcast to tell the whole story. Right, right. But I mean, given sweet, sure. But originally, so this is obviously this is wrestling. You rip people. That's what you do. And you would think a guy who's been in the business 40 years could take a rib, but that's false. I know, talking about Bobby Blaze, I was on a Bobby Blaze show, and some old-timer, even older last, you know, says, uh, he started asking for my credentials. I said, well, I was trained by Les Thatcher. He says, Les Thatcher, I remember him. His name was Chuck Connors, I believe. His name. Yeah, Chuck Connors. Les Thatcher, little guy, great worker, couldn't take a rib to save his life. I'm like, <laughs> Okay, whatever. So then a few years later, this whole, you know, him hating Elvis and really wearing him out and wearing really all of us out. I'm driving home one day from the gym and I'm sitting at an intersection and this is uh, wherever it was at. And there's like a yard full of like these busts and statues that you would like put in your front yard, like... I mean, like, lawn, literally, lawn jockeys were still something. And there's, like, a whole row of, like, Elvis Presley busts in different sizes. And I went, and I start browsing, and I get in prices on them. And, you know, I like to rib people. It's funny, right, until they rib you. So I'm like, this is a no-brainer. Somehow or another, one of these are going to end up being delivered to Les because he hates this fucking Elvis Presley guy. So I get the prices, and I came back to the boys, and I said, all right. And I only told a handful of them that I trusted. I know you were one of them for sure. Shark Boy was one of them. You can't tell too many people, right? So uh, not that I didn't trust you, trust you, but just don't want to get around. You were definitely one of them, Cody. Shark was another one. And definitely fucking Craig Zellner was another one. Ray Steele. Might have just been the four of us. <laughs> so, and I'm like, okay, I've already dumped enough money into this fucking place, man. I make them pass a high. And they all dropping dollars, and a couple guys that really wanted to see it happen would put a five in or whatever, and I got more. Than, and, and how much money we collect is which size it's going to be. So I got a nice size donation, and I went and bought it. And I'm like, well, how are we going to get it now? Well, somehow or another, between the people that were in on the rib, decided Sunday was always the big training. And so just put it in a cardboard box, taped it up. Didn't put any, like, you know, of the shipping nuggets or newspapers or nothing. It was just in this big box, rattling around like it was a fucking time bomb. No pun intended. And um, just set it out front. And I knew the old man was going to get there first, so he got there and... Well, what the fuck's this? Because it's addressed to him. <laughs> I don't know. That's not you open it up. Well, fuck, it's, it's rattling around. If somebody opened it, I don't know if it's me or whoever. Pull that fucker out. He's like... The fuck is this? (laughs) And there's multiple layers to the whole, you know. I I got the idea. But basically, 
this early days of the internet, and he was getting emails sent to him from a, a, a fan named Susan. <laughs> and basically, so which one of you guys was sending the email. I'm not going to incriminate that person at this time, Craig's owner. Um, but anyhow. <laughs> His favorite fucking student, dude. The guy that, you know, another one that, you know. So anyhow, and like I said, there's you guys would probably remember it better, the order of operation. But a part of it was this whole Elvis bust. Because he hated Elvis. Susan loved Elvis. This guy impersonated Elvis. And how could you not take, how could you take any of this shit seriously? That fucker was so wound tight that he did. And it played right into all of our hands. And I remember that there was an email about when I was in the I remember you in the ring. You shaking like Elvis. Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, that thing, and, and like I said, there's so many layers that could take hours to That's, finish the entire rip. I, I got that. But it ended up being told to so many of the boys in the business. And like I said, until now, I don't even think he, I think he still thinks Susan's a real person. Yeah. Until now, if he bothers to watch this, and I'm sure he is fucking, you know, waving his dick at us like, fuck you guys, you know. I don't know. Because he hates every one of us, especially me, yeah. and more than likely you, secondarily. Yeah. Oh, wait, they couldn't be! Except for, for one time off. It, yeah. And it came to such a point that I had to call Craig and have him come to my house. Why? Because Tom Bomb was there about to explode. Well, and, and, and yeah, and, and he call, called the I office. Call, I had to call Craig and have him come to my house and, and tell Tom Bomb the whole story. Well, before. Tom still hates Craig. Well, before it even got to that point, he called the office to call me. And that's back when, you know, more than one person could get on a phone. It was wireless phones. But, like, I had the phone in my office, he grabbed the one in the, in the uh, either Les's office or in the uh, reception area. And he's just like, this fucking Susan bullshit's killing me, man. Fuck, kill me. And, I mean, he's fucking, like, ready to have a nervous breakdown. And, in fact, he at one point did. And that sucks that he took it that hard to where this happened. Still doesn't make the shit not funny. Because it is a rib and it is wrestling. It's funny. But, but, it was funny. It was funny. You can't say it wasn't, especially if you weren't the target of it. And yeah, it was just crazy, man. The whole thing was nuts. And, um, that rib went on for two years solid. Oh, yeah. And the, the beauty of it was, of course, I guess Les is pretty fucking, uh, he knows how to do the internet now. He's on Facebook and Twitter and all that bullshit. Uh, what are we doing here? Are we okay? Oh, he's going to do it the easy way. There we go. Oh, we're going to pass it around now. Because <laughs> people don't know how to use a mic stand yeah, properly. That's <laughs> all right, Jim. So basically, Les didn't know anything about the internet. He didn't know how to... So I spent most of my most of my job was like answering his email. So they'd send an email. I'd have to print it out put it in his inbox, he would write out a response, he'd put it in my inbox or his outbox, and then I would have to, you know, type it back, and this would go on through all these different threads. So, of course, that's how Susan was communicating with me. So, of course, I'm in on the fucking rib, right? 
And I knew when it started to get really juicy because basically to cut to the chase, Susan finally admitted that Susan was a pre-op transsexual. Oh, <laughs> uh, you remember Susan? I do. I was a little bit later coming to the party, but I do remember Susan as a big thing, unless still to this day probably does not want to talk about Susan. <laughs> well, she was real. I mean, it's not like he, you know, stuck his dick in her or anything like that, or him. But I think at some point he thought he was going to. Do you not think so or no? It's quite possible. <laughs> oh my that poor time bomb, man. Right. That's the only thing I felt bad about All that right, whole thing. You assholes had a good laugh. <laughs> but that thing set. It, but, but the thing was delivered. He sits it like right when you walk in the door to the training facility, right there where the receptionist is. And there's this fucking Elvis statue. Like, what the fuck is that there for? And it yeah. would call it would cause a conversation, and that was right around the time that these WW, WCW first and then WWF guys were like scouting our facility. Like, oh, what the fuck's going on with his own thing, man? Dude, and then yeah, you go, that fucking Susan. So I got the story. And then he'd literally tell the story as if Susan was a person. You wouldn't believe this transsexual fucking motherfucker. Send me it, cause she's in love with me. Yeah. And it was just this rib that just got out of control, but it was just so spectacular at the same time. It was the never-ending story. Oh, God damn, and we could probably keep it going if we didn't just ruin it right here. We just broke kayfabe completely. We just took kayfabe and fucking snapped it over our leg. But that was fucking funny. You can't say it wasn't. And he hates definitely the two of us and maybe everybody else here, so oh, he, why do I not care? I think he hates everybody here. No, Cody. I don't know. She's a good looking woman. She at least has a chance. No, and her name's not Susan. My name is not Susan, but Cody did give him a nice, respectful shout out and support thing. So For sure. Maybe Les will not hold him accountable. I'm still thinking Les has this, the doll, the voodoo doll that he might have took out like five pins. I've been like, Cody only gets like five pins now, not ten, but. You know, Les is an old bastard, so oh, love him, but he is what he is. I still ain't called him mad uh-huh. on camera. You still have him what? Called him an old bastard on camera. Oh, I will all the time. Woo, Look that old man in the face. Stiff, guys. This love is you, not- Les. You're an old bastard. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and this is not why we we did this, to just shit on Les. But. Oh, no, I love Les. I love Les with all my heart. This is our my, my first. Okay, so, oh, we can talk about experiences. Yes. My first experience with Les was... Going into the training, he saw how tiny and little I was and was like, you're not going to last. You can't do anything. So sit down watch class. Race still was up there. Race was the first person that had he class. He the and, Susan creator. Yeah, I love Race. <laughs> He's from New Mexico, too. Me and Race have a bond. But he was like, are you going to sit there or are you going to get up and do something? I was like, well, if I can get up and do something, I'm going to get up and do something. I'm not watching. I'll get up there and do something. So I did. So Les comes out, sweatpants, all right, come here, if I punch you, what are you going to do? He literally sat there and punched me for 30 minutes so I could sell and throw my head back and sell. And me, not knowing anything, was like, okay, this is cool, I'm just going to sit here and get punched by this old man for like 30 minutes and sold it, took it, okay, if you come back tomorrow, we'll talk again. Okay, went back the next day, the next day, the next day, and... No, I love I love Les, and we have a thing, and I think he knows what me and him have, and I wasn't that girl that was out there to do anything else but kick ass and wrestle, and that's what I did. 
That's kick ass. Now let's talk to another original HWA guy, Cody F. and Hawk. He um, just came recently back from Las Vegas at the Cauliflower Alley Club and got an award for uh, the Pro Wrestling Trainers Award uh, given to him by his best friend, Moxley. Yeah, I didn't just get back. Um, and uh, you know, uh, John, definitely the uh, best student that I ever had. Uh, went the farthest out of anybody, made the most money out of anybody, and, and that's the true name of the game now, who can make the most money. Um, so, yeah, super awesome, man. Cauliflower Alley is amazing. I go out there every single year. Uh, it's just like four days of just totally being immersed in wrestling, and it's it's all the people I grew up on, you know? it's. I mean, there was, there was a learning seminar from uh, uh, David Schultz called uh, Don't Call Me the Bad Guy, you know? It was just like Dory Funk uh, Jr. He also had a learning seminar. It was just, you know, free to the public. You can go in, just sit down and listen to him talk for like two hours. So good, so cool, you know? Like, if you're into that kind of stuff, and, and I am, um, you know, and I, I see people that uh, I only get to see once a year, you know, people from all over the country, really all over the world. Um, the Cauliflower Alley itself, you know, it's a nonprofit organization, and they take care of wrestlers who fall on hard times. Very early in my career, I had to work, uh, I got to go down to Nashville and work with a guy named Brickhouse Brown. Took my first pile driver from him. I'd always told my parents I'd never take a pile driver. He gave me a pile driver. Uh, he got terminally sick with cancer. Cauliflower Alley stepped in. He didn't know about Cauliflower Alley. He was like getting ready to lose his house, getting ready to, uh, like, he was up to his eyeballs and bills. Um, he was literally one week away from losing where he lived. Cauliflower Alley stepped in, caught him up on everything, took care of his medical bills, kept him alive for another six months, you know? And if he would have known about it, maybe he'd still be alive now. So just those kind of things, and that's what Cauliflower Alley is. So every every bit of money that you pay to go there, that's where it's going, is to take, take care of people. And you know, this year they gave a, a big thing to Kamala. That was who they're, the main guy um, that they're taking care of, you know. But uh, just so cool. And the, the whole thing, just seeing everybody that I don't hardly ever get to see, brothers and sisters I've known for 20, 22, 23 years, uh, you know, just spend a day, have a drink, talk wrestling talk life whatever and, and you know move on there's a couple of shows out there on Sunday and Monday and, and there's all kinds of seminars Tuesday and Wednesday and then the two big banquet dinners and you know there's shit going on in the middle of the night too there's uh, there's a strut off one night at a bowling alley that draws a couple hundred people which is pretty cool to watch you know just people being ridiculous strutting down the aisle so you know just cool stuff so I, you know, I recommend Cauliflower Alley to anybody that's got wrestling in their blood. I don't mean to cut you off, but I have a question because, first of all, I'm very proud of Cody. He was, you know, I help in his training, you know, being a training partner and such. How did you get nominated for this training award? Because obviously there's a process. They don't just hand you this stuff. So kind of explain to me and everyone else that's listening and watching, what's that process? Um, well, I just, I've, I've been going out there for a while and it's just meeting people out there, talking to people and then kind of hearing your story. And then uh, somebody nominates you 
and uh, once somebody nominates you, uh, then they like kind of go into a pool, and once they get uh, who, who was it that nominated you? Uh, do you know? There, there's a guy named Bill Brown. Okay. He uh, used to run. That's uh, Torch knows him. FCW out yeah. of out of Florida. He was originally in this area. Yeah, he lives out in Vegas now. Okay. Um, so he nominated me. Uh, there's a promoter that I worked for uh, from the West Coast named Billy Billy Blade. He nominated me, and I believe Billy Silverman, the referee from WCW, yeah. nominated me. Oh, that's awesome. So that they gave me like Damn. three things, and um, this is a guy that. We wouldn't put in the ring for two years when he was training. <laughs> yeah. That one-legged drop kick. So, what was it like working with uh, Cody when he was, like, very green? Well, I mean, it's like everybody else. We were all green, first of all. I just was only there a little bit longer, so I was a little less green than he was. But, I mean, we were in a position where we were just getting shows started at all, and he wasn't discouraged to where... Everybody gets discouraged. We're like, well, I'm not going to get in the ring in front of people. Fuck this. I'm going to not do this anymore. He kept coming. He kept coming. And then eventually he got in the car with us. And I forget how we got you in at IWA. And you rode down there for Ian Rotten while me and Shark and Chip Fairway were working. And you got in the car with us to be a referee. Yeah. And with just one of my shining moments. Yeah. Um, one of my many. Because I had a lot of fun down there. Yeah, that was a fun place. And, um, we, and we worked with some good dudes down there. Even though it was not, you know, technically good wrestling. Yeah. But, man, we came across some good dudes down there. And one of my all-time, two of my all-time favorites. Bull Payne, yep. Dutch Mantel. Yep. Yeah. Two great and, guys. Yeah. And, uh, maniacs. Oh, well, it was crazy. Now, they, when you're in Rome, you act <laughs> yeah. like the Romans do. But our whole gimmick as the old school posse was to go opposite. And I'd get up on there to Mike and said, I know you people want to see broken glass and all this other bullshit. And they're like, yeah. And I know you want to see, you know, light tubes and I know you want to see barbed wire and I just have them all lathered up and I say well you're going to have to wait till the next match for that shit to happen because he literally brought us down to have wrestling matches because that made us heels that's why we were in the main event because it was a fuck you to his crowd and that's what a heel does and of course being that he was one of our dudes he mostly was refereeing our matches you know so that you know they can cut us loose and let us yeah. go home and drive two hours and That's not have to wait for anybody else first time anybody called me uh, Val Venus dude he, he looked like you Val he did look like Sean Morley doesn't he yeah <laughs> that was a crowd member right no it was, uh, it was one of the boys was Dutch Mantel was it really he put his was arm he around Dutch? me he worked for Dutch in Puerto Rico you you he pulled your mask off Okay, so that and was that was one went, of my two shining moments. And you went under board. the ring. Yeah. And he put his arm around me and he said, "Come on, Sean Morley." <laughs> and we went under the ring with you. Yeah. And like we got in the car and I'm like, "Who the hell, is Sean Morley? Oh, Val Venus. Oh, yeah. I got it now." So the the reason that happened was is because allegedly the Parker was on the on the card advertised. <laughs> Don't know if he was ever booked, but he was advertised. And um, he didn't show up. I don't know whose that is, but I might drink it. Is that you, BS? I don't remember BS being a beer drinker, but he is now. Probably all those years of dealing with, you know, Susan. <laughs> but Dutch was supposed to work with Nelson, um, the big guy in Men on a Mission. And LaParka was supposed to be there. Don't know if either one of these two cats were booked, but... So, Ian informs Dutch that Nelson's not going to be there. 
And Dutt says, well, I want to work with the kid. And he's pointing in my direction. I literally looked over my shoulder. There's no one there. And he means me. I was like, well, Dutch, that's fucking awesome, man. Thank you. And Ian's like, well, he's already been out there once. He goes, I've got a mask out there. I'll just have him get one of my gimmick masks, you know, that I would sell at the table. He just, and we'll call you La Barca. <laughs> Not knowing, because we didn't like, it wasn't like a website that we could see the card. We just drove down there and we're told who we work with. And if you're a referee, you work obviously multiple times. Or if you're in a fucking faction, you might go out there as a worker and then as a second or whatever. So yeah, man, I go out there and this mask is like an extra small condom that barely goes over my nose, let alone my chin. And I go out there with the fucking chair and I'm doing the air guitar. And he's already out there looking at me like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? And we go out there and it didn't take long. Was it 10 seconds in a match? I think we locked up and that thing popped off my head. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And whose idea was it for me to go into the ring? I don't know. I don't know either. But I did. <laughs> and you came underneath and said, Dutch says put the mask back on and don't come out until you do. <laughs> and somehow or another we finished it. I don't know how or whatever. <laughs> but the other one was when I worked with Bull and Bull was the... Um, Texas Hangman he guy. Split you open? Fucking yeah. I was the ref for that one too. He was. He was. <laughs> I'd never bladed before, and they were going to hit me with the fucking cowbell. And I'm like. I tell this story all the time at training. <laughs> well, I'm like, I never had done it. No one ever showed me, and I wasn't going to ask how because then they'd think I'm a mark because I've been in business a little bit, man. So, but I knew he hits me with a cowbell, there's going to be color, and I ain't letting this fucker hard way me, right? And he's my friend. But he's got to lay it in. I get it. And as my... I'll do it. I'll do the best I can for you. And he was nervous. He's like, are you sure you want to do this? We can just go out there and you not do it and I'll cover for you. No, boy, you're my friend. I'm going to make this happen. And I went out there and I fucking did it. And it was not a good job because I didn't know the trick. I didn't know when we drove down there and those guys were drinking beer in the parking lot what they were doing other than drinking beer. I didn't know they were thinning their blood. You look at me. Brady, I just want to say thank you. Thank I you. love you. I love you too. To all my people at HWA, <laughs> Cody, Stryker, Race Steel, Heather Owens, I love you. You let me down tonight, girl. Oh. Love you all. Mike, drop. You yes, are you, you going to bounce? You yeah. Back. You can't be oh. bouncing now. HWA reunion show. You and Heather, and you're going to beat the dog crap out of Heather. Oh, oh yeah. Well, she's retired. Uh, I'm retired. We'll bring her back for this. Two old ladies get together. That's where it's at. AJ Sparks and Hardcore Heather Owens. I love all you guys. Thank you. AJ Sparks out. Mic drop. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's good to see you, kid. Good to see you. Yeah, I was talking to you earlier. You guys. But anyway, see. real quick. So go out there, do the deal, get nothing. He looks at and me. And I look at him. <laughs> What do you think? He's got one lone teeny pin drop of blood. Like right here, where this mark is on my head. And right? nothing else. Wow. It's like a scratch, but there's only one droplet of blood. Because I didn't know those guys were drinking beer in the parking lot to thin their blood. I thought they did because they were alcoholics. <laughs> and those were the days where I didn't even drink, dude. We we kind of did this instead, you know? You did we all else. did, yeah. What right. What is that? I don't know what that means. That? But anyhow... <laughs> 
a bull's gutter and he knows what to do and I know it's coming and I needed him to do it because at least I broke the skin fuck dude and it didn't hurt when he hit me because he flat part of that cowbell Texas Hangman gimmick I don't know if y'all know what it is yeah then what happened he popped he said you want me the hard way in you said yeah and he popped him with that thing and it split like a tomato hitting a wall it was like the grossest thing I ever seen it split <laughs> wide open and we're on the floor and like he immediately bends over and it is just pouring I mean like water pouring out of his yeah. head and I'm just I, I'm still pretty green and I, I don't know what the hell I was thinking but I go Whoa! like I'm gonna stop it he was thinking back. we were back at home in our training center yeah, and it was gonna be yelled at for a mess I'm like I'm gonna put it back in or something no rubber you gloves, didn't want, no to, you didn't want to dirty up that floor because oh. you thought you were cleaning it up right. after it was over then, I'm, then I realized I got my blood all over him yeah <laughs> and he bled like crazy yeah and I wasn't smart enough to like lay down and have it like cover me like Rick Flair like I'd seen a thousand times before yeah just greener and goose shit yeah but I still have that scar to this the day the best part of that story though is the, is, <laughs> is the Walmart bathroom on the way home so yeah, we're in a fucking locker room full of fucking hardcore guys, and I knew that you could. It's common now, but I know that you can close up a, a gig mark with super glue, and that was when it first became a popular thing. These guys like Sabu and fucking Ian, you know, would come from ECW. All those guys made it popular. Ain't a single motherfucker in that room with a fucking super glue. Close my head. So we gotta go to Walmart across the street at like eleven thirty. So we go and do the deal. It's me and Chip, Brett King, Chip Fairway. We buy it. We, we buy the super glue and band-aids and then turn back around and go to the bathroom. It's in the back of the we, we walk in and there's a guy. And he's in, sitting on the toilet. And it's like, oh, man. So, this is good. You'll like this. <laughs> so, we go to the bathroom, and there's a guy sitting on the toilet. And he's going to close my head up for me. And we can't wait for this guy to break it off. We're just like, just go do it. Chip closes it up, right? And he's got the super glue on his fingers. And when he pulls away, it pops it back open. He goes, oh, it just popped open. And I can hear this guy in the, in, in the bathroom struggling. Then he finally closes it up and we drive two hours home. And I'm just all, I'm all gaffed up. And then we got to explain to Les Thatcher the buffoonery that we just explained to you. I'm taking a pool here. I've almost got enough money to pay John Murray to come over here and have him choke slam torch on the table. No, right geez. Here. Just hey. like in the old days. If that's day. the case, I got to move my women. The big guy, the big guy versus the big guy. Two big guys in here. I don't care if it is that hoodie. We'll break the place down. Dude. You're paying for it anyway, Robin. You're responsible for the damages. It's your podcast. <laughs> we got video evidence of it. Right on, right on. He was giving us a go home cue. Does that mean we got to go home or we go home? Just taking a five minute break. All right, good. Good deal. Okay. Going All right. What? 